Welcome into this week's edition of the Colin Coaches Show. We've got a variety of sports coming up, including baseball, basketball, golf, and the highly anticipated debut of Colin softball this week as well, too, as they have their season opener this week. But joining me first is our head baseball coach, Adam Shambly. Coach, thanks for joining me. Yeah, glad to be here. Coach, uh, obviously a week where the, the team was a little up and down. You go 2-2 two and two over the week. You get splits in both your games. We'll go back to the Thursday doubleheader against uh, Nunez, and this is one where you split. And uh, game one, um, really probably not – probably. I think you might say probably the worst game of baseball you've played all year so far in this early part of it. Just just not a great day for the Wolves. You only get three hits in game one. But overall, your thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, you know, offensively, I know we struck out way more than we would have liked to, uh, which, you know, I'll say this, we probably faced the best arm that we faced all year. Um, now, was he that much better than us, in my opinion? No. Um, but – he did do a really good job and was the best guy we faced. But like I told our guys, you know, we've got to be able to handle a pitcher like that because we're going to see plenty of them in conference play. Um, but, you know, just one of those games that, uh, like you said, just didn't play great and faced a pretty good arm, and sometimes that just happens in baseball. And you look at the box score. The Pelicans scored three in the <clears> third, <throat> highlighted by a solo home run in that one. One in the fifth and two in the ninth, and that's where you get the six to nothing Um score there. Like I said, you only had three hits. You only really had one inning where you had multiple base runners. So, uh, you know, just, just a game where, again, you look at it and you just go, we just got to flush this one. It just, it just wasn't our just wasn't our day for game one on that one. Right, yeah. And so you look at it and then you look at the pitching as well, too. Jordan McKenzie gets the start. Uh, didn't didn't have his best outing in this one. Uh, picked up the loss and only pitched two innings. Allowed two runs on two hits with four walks and two strikeouts. So, you know, a, a little bit of a rough outing there for Jordan. Um, you know, I know he's been dealing with, with some some early injuries there, those kind of things, working through those. But, uh, you know, you, you hope to see him be able to improve further down the year. Right, yeah. He's, you know, we're going to need Jordan on the mound. And, uh, you know, he's going to be fine. Obviously, you know, his first start he was fine against Mineral Area down in Pensacola. And then, you know, like you said, not his best stuff against uh, Nunez the other day. But uh, we're definitely going to need him, and, and I think he'll bounce back and be fine. So, the, you know, things you can take away from this one, you you had a couple of good outings from relief guys. You pitched Lucas Harrington, who hadn't pitched since, I believe, the weekend in Pensacola. He pitched right. three innings of relief. He allowed two runs on three hits, four walks and two Ks. Uh, a little bit of an up-down stat line there, but I think a solid outing for Lucas mm -hmm. considering he hadn't pitched in, in a couple of weeks. And then Caleb Flynn, guy we've talked about, he's been roughed up in his first couple of outings. And in this one, he, he was – Quite dominant for most right. of them. You know, he only gave up two runs in four innings. Those two came in the final inning in the ninth. Had four hits, uh, one walk, and I think the thing that really sticks out is eight strikeouts. Yeah. You know, he his I think his curveball was was moving really well. He, he was getting guys out. You know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch him pitch because we had basketball that night, so I had yeah. to leave baseball early to come to basketball. But I, I think you have to like what you saw out of your relief pitchers. Yeah, um, I thought Harrington was solid. You know, it was kind of – it's almost like it changed hitter to hitter. It'd be really good for a couple hitters, and then he, you know, took him a little bit to find it. But solid outing. Uh, and then you, you know, talked about Flynn. That is, that has been the first uh, time this spring that Flynn has thrown like we know Flynn can throw. We saw him do it all fall. Um, so we were really, really happy to see that. And and once again, another guy we're going to need. And he showed what he can do there. So we were extremely pleased with that. And then in game two, you bounce back in that one. You take that one six to four. You jumped out ahead early in that one. That's kind of been a common theme for the guys. Every, you know, it feels like every time you score first, you know, obviously in any game where you score first, you give yourself the best chance to win. But really, with with, with these guys, you know, scoring first indicate is a good indicator of how successful you're going to be for the day. Right. Uh, 
Yeah, I was super, obviously, super excited to see us come out and and score first and and win that game, especially because, you know, how poorly we did play in the first one, especially against, I thought, a pretty solid Nunez team that's tough and 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 scrappy and all those good things. Um, but able to come out and win that one, I thought, and avoid a sweep. I tell our guys all the time, we got to avoid sweeps, especially once conference games start. Um, so I thought that was huge for us to pick up that win. So you look at it, and, and you got start, the scoring got started in a big way. Sam Cook comes up in the bottom of the second and then hits one over left field fence, two-run home run. You're up two to nothing. you got to be feeling good anytime you see a freshman come up and deliver in a big situation like that. Yeah, that was uh... – that was, you know, exciting for him. Obviously, first ever collegiate home run, something he'll remember for the rest of his life. So that's that's awesome. And a guy that, you know, has been super coachable um, and has really worked hard on his swing and trying to figure some things out. It's really – he's been off to a great start, and it's awesome to see him have success because he has – you know, he's put in some work on it. And then you look in the third inning. Third inning could have been a really big inning. You get two runs out of it regardless. But you, I think in, if you look back at this one, you, you think, man, we could have got more, but we'll take the two that we got. You get three straight singles to start the inning by Brentley Berry, Tucker Jones, J.D. Weed, and then you get two outs, a line out, and then a fielder's choice. Guy gets thrown out at home on that one. And then C.C. Christian Cameron comes out and delivers with the big hit, gets you a two-out, two-RBI double that scored Tucker and J.D. And you're up four to nothing at that point after three. Three, and you know you've only got to get through seven in this one, so you got to be feeling really good now that you've now doubled your lead in two innings. Right, yeah. You know, that hit by – that double by CC was huge. Um, you know, probably one of the biggest plays of the game in a sense. Um, and then you feel really good. It's four to nothing. You're playing a seven-inning game and you got Connor Pittman on the mound. I mean, you feel – Feel pretty good about that. At that, I, I knew we wouldn't need just too many, you know, with him right. uh, on the bump. So, so and then you, you finish out the game. Nunez scores one in the fourth. Your guys respond with one in the in the bottom half of that inning. BB scores on a, C, a RBI single by Tucker Jones. Pelicans then scored two in the sixth on an RBI double, five to three. But again, your guys respond with another run. Uh, Braden Bankston reached on air, later scored in that inning 6-3. to three. Final run comes for the Pelicans in the top of the seventh, but you get a pop-out to end the inning and to end the game and seal that win. So you, you earn a, a split, a little bit of a maybe an ugly split because, yeah. you know, you like to have been able to put them away and not make it a two-run game, but a split nonetheless. Right. Um, yeah, and obviously super happy about that and happy about uh, Pittman's performance. You know, I thought he was best he's been all year. I've kind of challenged him to – you know, he has the stuff to dominate some people. And I've kind of gotten, you know, hey, you got to be able to dominate these guys. And that's the first time he's done that this year. And done, you know, not that he's he's not unhittable and he's not Superman. He's human and, and uh, he is going to get hit and he's not going to have great outings all the time. But as many of those outings as we can have for him is, is always right. awesome for us. You look at his line and in that start, he throws six innings, um, ran into a little bit of trouble in that sixth inning. I think if he wouldn't have ran into the trouble, you probably could have ran him out there for the right. seventh and maybe got him the complete game. But six innings, allowed three runs, two of those earned, two walks, and a career-high 12 strikeouts. Really hoping that's not the last time this year we're mentioning yeah. career-high in strikeouts because uh, you see the stuff and it's just absolutely electric. And you look at it, last two starts for Connor, 11 innings pitched. Um, he's given up very few runs, very few hits, um, and he's had nine. Uh, 20 strikeouts, I believe. He had eight against Coastal South and then 12 in this one. So uh, really really starting to round out and form here in the early season, and you hope that continues for him throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, like you just mentioned, I think I think the 12 strikeouts, I think he 
I think he exceeds that at some point, or at least I hope that he does because I know he can. So then you also look at it. Jaden Duncan comes in, pitches one inning of relief, allowed the one earned run on two hits, but was able to close out the game for you as well on that one. And then you turn back to uh, on Sunday, you, play, you host Rend Lake, a team that had played uh, two extra inning games the day before, played against Holmes, had played eight innings in one, had played 13 in another. So uh, we, we were joking about it in the press box. You know, they, they played two seven-inning games, but really they played three because they played 21 innings of right. baseball. Um, so lots, lots of innings before the day, the day before that. And you win game one, eight to three. Talk about that one and how you feel like the guys really performed in that one. Yeah, I thought we – came out and did what we were capable to do against those guys, you know, jumped on their starting pitcher. Uh, they kind of, you know, you talked about the innings they played the day before. You could tell that they were not really uh, in a in a rush to get the starter out because they kind of needed him to eat up some right. innings and may not have what they, what they thought they would have in the bullpen uh, yesterday. But uh, I thought we stayed at it there and, and just did what we should have done against uh, – against them and, and we're able to win the game. And you, and you look at this one where we talked about scoring first, that, that's a theme in both of these games. You scored first in both of these, uh, but in the, the first one you scored one run in the bottom of the first, uh, a name we've talked a million times about so far, Braden Bankston, uh, hit an absolute laser of a leadoff double. I thought for a moment he, he took a big turn at second. I was like, is he going, if he tries for three, he might get hosed, but uh, got the leadoff double and then later scored on a fielder's choice by Dylan Wesson. So you're up one to nothing at that point. Um, you look at it, you know, uh, struggle a little bit there in the second inning from your starter and in bowling. He allows the tying – they allow the tying run to come across. You're tied one-to-one. -one, and then came the big inning. Second time in the last couple of weeks you've scored six runs in an inning. And, uh, you know, it was just um, – you know, it's only one error, so you you got to feel good about the fact. You know, you put the ball in play, you hit it. You know, you made them make plays. You you look at it. CC started the inning, reached on an error, scored on a double by Spencer Wilson, a single for Bankston, a walk for BB loads the bases. Uh, Tucker Jones is hit by a pitch that scores Spencer, a two B two RBI double from JD Weed scores Bankston and Barry, and then back to back ground outs by uh, Dylan Wesson and Sam Cook score Tucker and Weed, and that's where you get seven to one from. So it wasn't just one guy in this one. You know, We just right. listed multiple guys who all kind of contributed and, and really helped make that big inning happen. Yeah, um, you know, those those big innings are great, and, and we want to play for those. Um, you know, one thing I've kind of challenged our guys when we have those big innings, not that we're going to have a, a five or six run inning every inning, right. but, um, you know, let's not score – seven in the first two innings and then kind of sit on that. You know, let's continue to grind them out and uh, and hopefully put them away more, so to speak. You know, I know we scored eight runs in the game. I felt like we probably could have put it a little more out of reach. Um, but it's the game of baseball, and sometimes, you know, you hit it right at them or uh, just, you know, certain things happen that we can't really explain in, in this game. So, and you look at it, you go forward – you added a run in the fourth. West, Dylan Wesson reached on an error, later scored an RBI single by McKenzie. Last two runs come in the fifth for the Warriors. They they scored two, and um, you know Andy Boland's in a little bit of trouble. You you pull him at that point, and uh, you bring in Judson Griffin, who just absolutely slammed the door. I think he gave up one sack fly or something. You know, got an out in the first one. They scored there. He walked. A guy for the base of the load, but then turned around, got a strikeout, ground out, and uh, you got to feel good what you saw out of your freshman reliever after he had a little bit of a rough outing in his first one. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I really wanted to go to Judd right there just because I felt like a a great time to go to him and, and give him another shot because he has you know bullpens and 
and inter-squad games uh, lately has been good, you know, even though he did have a rough outing and really, and Judd would tell you this as well, he did not have the best fall ever, but we have seen him make improvement and it just seemed like, hey, we need to go to uh, Judd right here. And uh, so we did that and I was, he did exactly what I thought and know that he can do. So that was super exciting to see. Um, so yeah, that was that was great for him. Then you come out in the final two innings. Warriors get just one hit. That one in the sixth off of Griffin, but he was able to get around that. And then uh, Kobe Gallant comes in and does what Kobe Gallant did. We'll give you his line in just a second. It was uh, it was impressive nonetheless. But you you, you look at the box score and uh, box score and, and have a day. Braden Banks into this one three for four out of the freshman. Uh, J Mac and Spencer with two hits each. And then you had uh, J D Whedon, Will and West, well Dylan Wesson. With two RBIs each, and then you, Tucker Jones, Sam Cook, J- Jordan McKenzie, and Spencer all with one RBI each. Again, just a, just a full team game where a lot of guys contributed to the win. Right. Yeah. That's once again always good to see, uh, just across the board there. Yeah. And then you, you look at the pitching stats again. Andon Bolin gets the start in this one. Got his first win of the year. Pitched four innings. I, I think you would you would say, and he, he would probably say, not his best stuff, but he got the win, had to battle for it a little bit, allowed three runs, two of those earned on three hits with four walks and three Ks. So you'd like to see the, the strikeouts be a little bit higher than the walks, but nonetheless, he, he still got the win for you. Yeah, um, you know, he, he like you said, he kind of grinded through it and, and not always going to have your best stuff, but he was able to compete in the zone with a fastball. Um, you know, something we're, we're going to talk about and or have talked about already that he's got to be able to, you know, got to have a couple other pitchers with, pitches with that and able to command those. And if he can do that, I think if he does that yesterday, he has a, an amazing day. Um, but just some things to work on there. So then you, you look, Judson Griffin, we talked at length about him, two innings of one hit, scoreless relief, just the one walk and three strikeouts for him. And then Kobe Gallant, we mentioned him. You know, we, we talked after the game. I told you, I said, I was kind of hoping you'd leave Judson in because Judson was in line for the save um, with if he'd have pitched three innings or because of other situations. But, you know, understanding going to Gallant, you, you, you want to close it out. You want right. to make sure you, you – you get it done, so you go to your, probably your best arm out of the pen. And uh, this is the line. One inning, 13 pitches, 11 of those strikes, three Ks. Uh, first guy he faced, he went good morning, good afternoon, good night. And I just yeah. I was like, that's it. You know, <laughs> he's locked in. You're not going to hit him. Let, let's get yeah. these last two outs and get it over with. Yeah, and that's, you know, kind of how you mentioned. Uh, that was kind of the mindset there. Like, hey, let's – for one, we wanted to get Galat uh, some work yesterday or at some point, however the game shook out. But – it was more of a let's go ahead and, and end this thing, you know, and, and we felt like he could do that because he's done it before. So it was a let's just go ahead and put these guys away and not try to get cute with anything or, or give them really even remotely a shot. And Galat did not give them a shot whatsoever. Right. So And then you, you go to the second game and you lose this one three to two, took extra innings. You had to play nine for that one. So you look at it, Warriors really living up to that Warrior moniker. They played extra innings in three of four ball games in, in a two-day span. But um, thoughts on this one overall? Um, yeah, it was kind of a tough one, you know, because I really thought uh, I really thought we would, we would win that game as well. Um, you know, just a, kind of another weird game to where, you know, we get doubled up two different times and you may can uh, blame the coach on that one because, you know, I try to go hit and run and we, we pop it up and um, and get doubled up there. Uh, just kind of, you know, like I told, told Riley on that, we just got to get the ball on the ground and, and not pop it up. But once again, things happen. We got to execute. Um, 
And then the other time, you know, I know it was a 3-2, one out, it was first and second, and we just go straight steal, more so trying to stay out of the double play. And if anything else, other, if anything else happens, then we probably don't get doubled right. up. But JT, J.D. hits a ball uh, absolutely laced right at the left fielder, and he catches it, you right. know, just – Runners are, are hung out to dry at that point, and that ends that inning. So, you know, that happened, but also we played nine innings. You know, we had chances to mm-hmm. get something else going in multiple innings and just a lot of uh, a lot of weak contact and, a, you know, maybe a strikeout, ground out, ground out type innings um, to where just didn't just didn't do a whole lot offensively. Right. So, um, but it was it was a tough loss, and but the good thing is we get to play again tomorrow. Right. I, I think, you know, Right now, you look at this one and you really circle it and go, man, we really let this one get away from us because, again, missed opportunities. Um, you, you know, and like you said, yeah, you can look at those early couple of innings where you put on a hit and run and, and, and steals and those things, you get doubled up because of some unlucky un- unlucky at bats. You know, Riley, again, I, I think we talked about it. I think he was looking curveball because the guy had thrown so many curveballs and then he gets him with a jam shot on the yep. inside on a fastball and he pops it up. And, and like you said, J.D., we, I mean, you, you can't hit that ball any better. And right. the left fielder makes a great catch on it. And I, we thought he might have dropped it from the press box. They said it was on the transfer. So play could have really gone either right. way for you. But like you said, you gave yourself other opportunities. I think you had a couple more innings where you had a couple of runners on. You just couldn't just couldn't find, you know, in, in past games you've been able to find that hit and move those guys on. You just couldn't find it this time. Had a couple of times guys just – hit the ball on the laces, just absolutely nail a ball, and they made a great play on it. Whereas you could say the same thing for them. Their guys had some play, had some hits that, you know, I go back and look, Tucker Jones goes crashing into the fence for one, just an absolute beauty of a web gem. And then the next inning, Braden Bankston makes a great play on one up the middle. Um, And he had another great catch as well, too. Unfortunately, he was robbed on a ball where, like we said, he hit it right on the screws and just third baseman just makes a great diving, uh, laying out catch on it, gets him out. So, you know, a couple small bounces here and there, that game's probably totally different for you. Right, yeah. Really, I mean, that's, you know, it's awesome you bring that up because it was pretty cool to see the defensive effort from both teams. You know, um, like I said, the, the play that Tuck makes, the play that Bank, uh, Bankston makes, and then their guy at third, and then J-Mac hits the ball in deep right center that, you know, is hanging up. He, he hits it well. It's hanging up a little more than you would have liked it to, and their guy does a great job and runs it down deep in the gap. Definitely not a routine play by any means. Um, so, you know, um, back and forth there, some, some great defense. So, and you, you know, you look at this one again, you say back and forth, you score first in this one, they tie it, you score again, they tie it, and then ultimately in the ninth, they hit one deep into the gap, and uh, both, but you have both outfielders out there, and, and your right fielder tries to, tries to make a little bit of a sliding catch, and it just, it just, he just couldn't, just couldn't squeeze it. Just didn't, right. wasn't able to fully make the catch there, and, and unfortunately, they're able to take advantage of it, and then steal third, and on the steal, you have the throwing error that, ultimately gets the ball out in left field, and that's how the, the run scores. So, um, you know, you, you hate to say that it comes down to that one play, but sometimes that's baseball and it really does come down to one play. Yeah, um, you know, that ball is hit kind of similar to J-Max, mm-hmm. and they make the play. And uh, and, and the, the ball in right center that we didn't catch was not, once again, not routine, but hung up long enough to – hung up plenty long enough that we have to – we have to find a way to make that catch. Right. And um, – you know, and we don't. And then, like you said, I know they still they attempt to steal uh, third, and we we throw it into the left field there, and that's when the the run scores. So you kind of hate that that's the way it all came down. Um, but 
you got to execute right. and you got to uh, you just got to make the the pitches yeah. and the plays. No, it almost makes it sting just a little bit worse right. that it came down to some to a, to a mistake you made yep. instead of you know them it, in, earning it in a way it doesn't feel like yeah like they didn't earn it a little bit. Right. <clears throat> but you look you <clears throat> excuse me. You look at your pitchers, and um, I, I think in this one you would say your starter, Tyler Ferguson, uh, effective, and almost you almost didn't realize he was as effective yeah. as he was. He he got the start, <clears throat> earned a no decision, and uh, you, you'll look at the box score and go, the Warriors finished with six hits. They didn't get any in the first four innings when Ferguson right. was on the mound. He threw four no-hit innings, allowed two runs, both of those earned on two walks and three strikeouts, and really it was a walk and a hit by pitch that came back and really kind of hurt you right. in this one, unfortunately. Yeah, um, like you said, I, re- I did not realize until after the game that he threw four no-hit innings um, because the stuff was, was good. Um, you know, kind of like we talked about before with another guy, um, it'd be really good for a couple batters, and it seemed like we may lose it a little bit and then be right back in there. Um, and, you know, I told Ferg that when I went out there to, to, to make the pitching change. Like, hey, man, you had a, you had a great start. You did, did well. Um, it just felt like the time to go to Duncan, a guy that we, mm-hmm. we've seen a little more and have a bigger sample size and know that we know what he can do. Um, so that's why we made that decision. But, but I thought Ferg had a very solid start. So you mentioned it. You go to, to Jay Dunk on that one, Jaden Duncan. Three scoreless innings of relief, spattered uh, four hits or scattered four hits across those three innings and one strikeout. And then Wade Barr comes in, and unfortunately he takes a loss, a hard loss to take uh, after he got a win in his first relief appearance. But through two innings, allowed one earned run on two hits, two walks, and three Ks. I thought I thought he was very sharp. I thought he looked very good, you know, on – the, the hit that he gave up that ultimately was the game-winning run, I don't think it was a bad pitch. I, you know, guy just got a bat out there on a slider on the outside right. corner, and he was able to drive it, and it just, like you said, just hung up. But uh, yeah. uh, I think a solid outing from Wade. He, even though he took the loss, there's, there, there was a lot of good there for him. Yeah, it was. Um, I thought he, he looked well. To, you know, I thought he looked good, too, and, and coming out and the fastball looked great, which is kind of uh, what you want to see late in the game. He's got that closer late relief type mentality and uh, you know it's kind of blow and go for an inning or two at most um, so I thought he looked fine um, and yeah on the on the slider that guy just really good piece of hitting right. um, but but yeah all really all solid outings um, on the mound in this game we just once again, we just didn't, I don't know, didn't find a way to win it. Right. You know, I, I think we'd be remiss if we also didn't mention, you know, we talked a lot about defense. Uh, one thing that stood out to me, you only had one pass ball in a whole doubleheader. That's right. that's almost unheard of at this level. Um, and you did it with two guys who are not your starting catchers. You know, Braden Evans right now, sideline with a little bit of an injury. We hope he'll be back yeah. soon. But you call in Spencer Wilson and Sam Cook to uh, to. to Catch one game each, and they've been delivering for you here these last couple of doubleheaders. They've been they've been playing really great right. behind the plate and really keeping guys where they're at on the base pass, which is what you want to see out of the catchers. Yeah, um, yeah, I've been really happy with what we've seen with them, and not only behind the plate, they've provided some offensively too. Which you know, in a, in a position that you know you kind of hey, great if you bring some offense, but defensively we got to be really good back there, and they've been able to do both. So um, you know, taking advantage of opportunities that they've gotten so far so really really happy to see that especially with Evans being kind of out right now and uh, but still hoping to get him back so and you you look at uh, up next on the road you go to 
to Jones on Tuesday. You've got a couple of games there against two teams that have just been red hot to start the year. Um, you know, we're still in the preseason rankings. Fully expect Jones to not be just receiving vote, <coughs> receiving votes, but in the rankings <coughs> when the next ones are released. But East Central, also you'll play them. They're number 10. Uh, what do you know about the Bobcats and Warriors going into those? Um, you know, Hatton just looked too far ahead. Uh, obviously going to do some some – scouting report stuff today on those guys. But, you know, seeing their score, seeing the teams they've played, and um, they're obviously both off to a great start, both uh, programs in our conference that have been successful every just about every single year, always have great teams, well coached. Um, so, you know, we'll have our, our work cut out for us tomorrow for sure. But, you know, I know we'll, we'll come out ready to go and hopefully, uh, you know, just hopefully ready to play some good baseball. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would ask, you know, why would you want to play conference teams in non-conference action? Right. But, you know, I, I think sometimes it benefits you because, you know, it helps, especially your freshman guys who, yeah, they've gone through a fall, but they haven't gone through a spring season and they really haven't seen, you know, fall, fall, fall baseball and spring baseball, two entirely different things. Right. seen a lot of great teams in the spring, not be great teams in the fall and, and vice versa. So, I, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, you know, it helps elevate the expectations for the freshmen. Yeah, and really the reason um... – you know, I've, I've jokingly said before that I get sick of playing the same same teams because we're going to play them in conference play, and we see each other out recruiting, and we, we see each other so much, the other coaches in the league, which majority of, majority of us are good friends and, and all respect each other. Um, but the reason we do a lot of the non-conference conference games is just a scheduling uh, issue or mm-hmm. – you know, a lot of times it's tougher to find games this time of year, and, and maybe the teams from up north don't want to come down right, right then. So we kind of did that as a conference to where we play the three different three ways against uh, in-state schools. So right. And it's it kind of ma- makes for a super competitive day, and we all get, you know, it's kind of like playing, uh, you know, you're playing your little brother or something right. like that or big brother or whatever the case, and you, you want to beat up on each other. Right, and then and then you look forward. You look towards the end of the week. You'll come back home. You'd face a team that you, you saw just a couple of weeks ago in Delgado. So uh, you're hoping that you you know you're able to at least repeat the same performance. Well, let's hope game two performance. We right. don't repeat yeah. that one. But you know you, you're hoping in that one. Yeah, you know, again, another nationally ranked team coming in here. You're, you're going to face a. A, a team that you know a lot about so far. You know, I, I don't know that they can hide a lot from you at this point. But what do you know about the Dolphins coming into that one? Um, I haven't checked on like how they've done since we, you know, since we played them last. Obviously, you talk about the the game two that was not pretty, um, and it's kind of been weird. You know, last year we played them, um, I guess three or four times, and two of those were also ugly. I don't know what it is about playing Delgado <laughs> that makes us want to play some of the worst baseball we've played, but. I don't think that's going to happen on Friday. Um, you know, we know what they can do. We know what they've got. Um, I think, and it being at our place, you know, I think we'll play well, and uh, it'll be a challenge. But I think, I think once again, two two more good baseball games, and hopefully, we come out on the positive side of those. Right, and you know, coach, you look at it. You've played ten games so far. Early returns. You're six and four. Uh, I. I I'd have to look at it to make sure, but I think a little bit better than where you were in year one at this point in 10 games in. But overall, your thoughts so far here on the early returns when you've still got about three weeks before you really start conference play. Yeah, um, you know, actually I looked at it uh, eight games in. Um, We were five and three before yesterday, and last year we were three and five in the first eight. So, you know, better there. Um, But, yeah, so far, you know, I've been – 
I've been pleased, and I know we do have a good group, and we've got a chance. Um, you know, I think this team really does have a chance to make a playoff run. I don't think that is out of reach whatsoever for us. And, and obviously that's a super early um, prediction because we haven't even played a conference game yet. And I know our the our work is cut out for us for sure, but I like our guys. We're going to play hard. We're going to do things the right way. I, they want it. They're competing. Um we're going to be fine, and, and I've been pleased uh, so far. Obviously, just like any other team, we do have a couple kinks to work out and, and still trying to figure out which guys, you know, can and, and can't do some things for us, uh, which is great playing non-conference games that really at the end of the day, these games don't, other than your overall record, right. but they're not affecting anything postseason-wise. So it's just a great chance to figure out, hey, this guy can play here or can't, and uh, – you know, hopefully by March the 13th, we feel like we have, hey, these are the guys, um, you know, that, that we can go to and, and count on. Right. So lots of uh, exciting things happening early in the season for the Wolves. Again, Coach, thanks for joining us. Look forward yeah. to it every week. Um, it's been a lot of fun watching the guys go out and compete and, and really keep themselves in, in pretty much every ball game they've right. played in this year, minus a couple. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you can still, again, even with those two, there's been things you could take away from those and, and grow from those as well, too. So that'll wrap up our baseball segment this week. Stick with us through the break. We've got golf coming up next. Golf making their debut here on the Coaches Show. We'll talk to head coach Alan Kent about how the Wolves have done in the fall and in the first part of the spring. Welcome back in. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. And joining me now is our head men's golf coach, Alan Kent. Coach, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. And, Coach, obviously, uh, talking about golf for the first time, got a little bit of late start in golf. I know the fall was a little crazy. Had some scheduling snafus. We, we weren't able to get you on, but got you here in the spring. Glad to have you. We're looking forward to talking talking a little bit about it. And we'll go back to the fall first. And, you know, uh, uh, there's probably a lot of people who don't know, golf is a little bit of a different animal than most, uh, most college sports. You play half of your events in the fall, play half of them in the spring. You've played four so far. Uh, so we'll try to – Briefly talk a little bit about each of them, but uh, overall, your thoughts about how the guys performed throughout the fall? Um, kind of mixed. Um, a little bit up and down. Um, more down than up uh, <laughs> as a team. Uh, you know, we've shown flashes of being able to post some good scores. Um, you know, Oscar Terrell in particular has just been lights out for us the whole year. He's just been rock steady. Um, and, you know, that's a tribute to him and his hard work and just the way he goes about things and his, his mental toughness. Um, but as a team, you know, we just got to get better um, scoring both days on a tournament and just being able to finish a round. Yeah. A lot of tournaments, they've, they've had a decent round going um, team-wise, and they just, for whatever reason, just can't seem to score and just keep a good score going you know, to post at the end. And, you know, it's just something we're continuing to work on because we know what they're capable of doing right. by, you know, our qualifying rounds that we play, um, you know, to prepare for tournaments. So it's just 
trying to get them all clicking, you know, and, and we know we're one of the top three or four teams in the state if we play like we're capable of playing. Yeah, I think if anybody went and kind of looked at the recaps and be indicative of what you just said, you know, you'll have one day where it's it's really good, all the guys are shooting really good, and then the next day you've got like one who's shooting really good, and then the other ones are like, man, you know, just just yeah, it's kind of like you said in the past, you know, golf's a really mental game. You know, it's very it's a very athletic physical game, but a lot of it's very mental at the same time. No question. So, you know, you know, you talk about the team. You know, I know last year, the past couple of years, you've, you've benefited from a couple of internationals who are very solid in Alex Navarro and Naveen Musavi. Um, you know, and, and last year, those two, those two were sophomores, really kind of helped carry that team and, and set some – I mean, you, you've got a couple – you've only got two sophomores this year, whereas mm -hmm. last year you had a few more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I imagine that probably makes things a little bit more difficult. When, you know, when you're when freshmen are outnumbering your sophomores two to one, mm -hmm. sometimes that can make it a little tough on the guys that you're wanting to step up and, and show everybody this is how you do things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that can be tough on sophomores sometimes. It is. But, you know, Miles and Reese, um, they're great. Um, I mean, they get along with the guys well. They're positive. They're encouraging. And – I mean, they're just fun to be around. So, um, you know, we we leave, we try to bring out the best of our guys, you know, in all areas of the game. And and I think camaraderie, well, as camaraderie wise, you know, they, they do well there. All of them do. Um, it's just making it click when we're, you know. Under the lights, you know, <laughs> out there on the course, and um, you know when it really counts. Right, and those sophomores you mentioned, Miles Walters, Reese McLaurin, both from Laurel. Miles played at uh, Laurel Christian School. Reese from West Jones High School, and then of course, you know, you've got your, your four freshmen that we mentioned: Harlan Brewer from right here in Weston. You got Lander Gibert, uh Jaime Hernandez, and then as you mentioned, Oscar uh, Terrell. Um, Lander and Jaime, both both Spanish guys. You, you you had some success with Spanish guys, as the two we mentioned a second ago, especially Alex and those kind of things. Uh, but you know, how difficult is it when you've got to? You know, I, I know you were there two years ago. You had to bring in two new internationals, but this time you had to bring in three. Does that does that add difficulty when you've got to bring in three guys who you know really haven't been in the states, so they're having to adjust to that on top of having to learn, you know, really how to play golf at a different level. Because they're they're used to measuring things in a different way, you know. They've got it. They, there's a big adjustment there for the internationals. Yeah, there has been. You know, we do our best when we're in the recruiting process of, you know, trying to fill them out about everything here. You know how it's going to be. Um, you know, but you can't physically go see them play over there. You know, it's just right. very difficult. So. You know, we try to prepare them like that as well. And, and some of our recruiting agencies that we're using, you know, we rely on them to help us uh, communicate some things with them. But, yeah, until they actually get here and see how the ball's traveling, you know, our uh, humidity, you know, and getting used to the conditions here, um, it, it is a challenge. But, you know, I think, I think for the most part, our, our guys have adjusted to that. But, yeah, you're like you're right. You know, because all of our courses are marked in yards, and they use meters and whatnot. But you know, it doesn't take long for them right. to adjust to that. So, and and you look at the spring so far. You've only played one event that was back in the first part of February. It was a little frigid uh, there that first day. I think conditions got a little bit better for you on that one. You finished that event down at Diamond Head Country Club in sixth place. Um, 
you know, a, a, a little bit again, up and down. Oscar played really well. I think finished number two overall, was number one, tied for first overall going into after the first day, finished uh, second overall, was part of the all-tournament team and, and those kind of things. And, you know, other guys struggled a little bit in that one. Um, but, you know, you've got a chance. I know, I know you've got the William Carey Invitational coming up. I believe that's on the 20th. Uh, kind of help. I, I think that one you maybe help get, get the guys some more golf and just kind of maybe help get the, the mental side of the game a little bit better for them. Yeah, you know, we – we we shot so so poorly that first day at Diamond Head, but you know to try to take something positive out of that, we had one of the better team scores the second day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when we leapfrogged some people in the standings, but you know again it's it's still even those scores weren't where we need to be as a team. Right. So, but we're trying to build something positive on that. Looking forward to better weather tomorrow, uh, playing at Cane Break. Yeah. So. Uh, I think the, the good news is is that uh, from here on out, it feels like the weather is just going to continually improve. And anytime the weather's improving, it feels like your golf game always gets better when the weather mm-hmm. gets better. Uh, you know, you, you'll look ahead. March, you got a couple events left there. I know you'll have uh, the the conference events, five and six, and then, then you'll look forward to the, the – ter- the, uh, the conference tournament. I'll get my words out there in a second. I know that's over in Tunica, but five and six, you'll be in Corinth and Meridian. Uh, you know, what, what are you expecting out of those? I know those are a couple of places. I, I think y'all played at Meridian last year, mm-hmm. and I want to say Corinth was, was one last So your mm-hmm. sophomores at least have experience mm-hmm. there. Uh, but what are you looking forward to out of those events, and how do you get your guys where they need to be so that you can get ready for that conference tournament? Yeah, I mean, we look forward <clears> to those. Uh, the freshmen are familiar with, with those two courses. Um, and and they're they're um, they're nice courses. They're fair, you know. You just got to play smart. But uh, you know, it, it's it's not that they're super tight or, you know. But we just got to go play our game and and continue to improve and um, play smarter. You know, that's one thing we've been preaching is, um, you know, when we play these tournaments we have pin locations before they even tee off. Mm-hmm. So they know, okay, the, tee, the, the green, the, the flag is on the back left corner here of this green. So, I, you know, we try to get them to play it backwards. So, you know, off the tee, ideally you want to be on the right side of the fairway mm-hmm. to be able to go at that pin. So it's just, it's just mental preparation and then being able to execute your shot. Um, and, you know, we're still – our distance control is, has been an issue, I think, on some of our approach shots. So that's one thing we're continuing to work on is, you know, to not be short. You know, get, obviously long is not good on most holes. But, you know, coming up short consistently, then that's something that we just got to continue to work on and really know our distances and know the wind, know the conditions, know the elevation. And I think sometimes we don't think that all the way through. Right. But, you know, and I would also think, you know, having the golf course right here on campus, being able to play on Wolf Hollow, you've also got the simulator over there. They can play on, you know, they can get out there. and t- Even in, in bad weather, the guys can still get out there and work on their swings and those kind of things. But, you know, I, I feel like having Wolf Hollow here is such a benefit to our guys. You know, it's it's probably one of the harder courses you can play on. You know, it's got several unique holes there with the, the water features and those kind of things. I, you know, I would think – it benefits our guys a lot because there's probably not a lot of courses you can go to, <clears throat> even around here to practice on. Excuse me, that uh, that offer the uniqueness that Wolf Hollow does. Oh yeah, for sure. We're we're very fortunate to have a course on campus like that, and um, just it's 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 awesome to be able to just be here and not like some other schools where you got to drive 20 or 30 minutes or more to go practice. 
you know, I also want to add that uh, Brookhaven has been very uh, welcoming to us, uh, the clubs at Old Brook, and, you know, they they let us come there and play. Um, and it's 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 been really nice having that relationship with them just to give the guys a different look as well. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to be able to go somewhere else and, and get a different look because I'd imagine – like we said, even though it's nice having one, you practice on the same one sometimes, you kind of start getting things figured out. So it's nice to be able to give them a different look. Well, mm -hmm. Coach, thanks for joining us. Uh, had a lot of fun talking golf with you. Looking forward to uh, the guys succeeding out the rest of the year, making a big run there in the conference tournament. You'll go on, hopefully go on to District D, and then uh, Wolves making another hopeful team appearance this time in the national championship. You had a couple of individuals the last couple of years, but uh, it'd be, be really nice to see, really great to see the whole team get a chance to go out there and, and compete on that level. So that will wrap up our golf segment this week. We'll have Coach Kent back a little bit later in March when they play again. Again, they'll be uh, on the road for the rest of the year. Golf a little bit unique animal there. Wolf Hollow doesn't always get to host things they have in the past. Don't get to this year, unfortunately, but they have a one-day invitational, William Carey Invitational, coming up February 20th at Canebrake Country Club, and then they'll have uh, two more conference events at the end of March. Both of those will be after the spring break time for the Wolves. I'm Kevin Kaiser, Sports Information Coordinator here at Colin. Stick with us through the break. We've got basketball and softball on the horizon. We're going to talk about all the action for those two sports. Welcome back in. Thanks for sticking with us. And as we promised, the highly anticipated debut of the defending national champion Lady Wolf softball team is here. They uh, played their season opener yesterday, and joining me now is head coach Malia Howard. Coach, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. And coach, uh, obviously a, a, a really big day for the Lady Wolves yesterday. Overall, your thoughts on, on the two games? Um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I tell the girls all the time when we're practicing or, and when we're getting ready for season, Y'all better get ready to run. You better get ready to run. And, you know, I tell them all the time, but I don't think they actually were prepared to run as much as we did yesterday. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, folks, uh, clean out your ears. Uh, wipe off your TV screens. Don't faint when we tell you these scores. 31-1 uh, to 1 in game one and 17-0 uh, to nothing in game two. Again, like we said, big day for the Lady Wolves. Uh, we'll look at uh, game one. Obviously, we're not going to go through all 31 runs. We'll talk about some of those highlights. But, uh, you know, you, your, your starters – um, did what you needed them to do, and then you were able to play pretty much everybody that was available to you, minus a couple uh, who, who've got some injuries right now, waiting on them to get back. But, uh, you know, just uh, just talk about, you know, how you were able to just come out, fire it up. In the first inning, you scored 12 runs, and you just got to feel like, we just got to get to the fifth inning now and, uh, and, and move on. So, you know, we lost some stars last year. We lost our leadoff batter last year. So the biggest transition was with Madison Moak saying, hey, you know, last year you were an amazing nine hole for us. Now I need you to be an amazing leadoff batter for us. And she's used to that. She's always played that role. Um, but yesterday um, she started off with a, a leadoff double, you know, and what better way to start your very first at bat of the season to get your team's momentum going. And, um, you know, you can count on that from her. She's going to have good at-bats every single time. She's fast. She's a threat. She can bunt. She can hit a home run. She can hit a double. She can steal the bases. Like, she's just a a threat in all aspects. So, she's going to be a really good leadoff for us, and that's going to set the tone for every single game. And then you look at look at Moke and, um, you know, Moke, a USM signee and all those kind of things. But I, I think the thing, you, you look at it and you go, have a day kid to – 
throw a name in the lineup, and, and they had a day. Mo, probably one of the uh, impressive days, hit a cycle in the game in the first game. Got the single, double, triple, home run, four for five uh, with four RBIs. Great start for her. Kinley Maldair. In your, in your two-hole spot, a freshman steps up big, three for four, three RBIs. Uh, probably the biggest day, though, was A.G. Uh, Abby Grace Richardson just picked up where she left off from last season. She definitely <laughs> did not skip a beat. No, not at all. And, you know, we expect that from her as well, having good at-bats. And, you know, people are going to know who she is this year. So we kind of went over that with her. You can't just expect them to throw you meatballs every time. Right. Get up there, have a good at bat. Don't get yourself out because that's just about the only way she's going to get out is if she gets herself out by swinging at pitches she shouldn't swing at. All right. AG, four for five uh, from the Mississippi State signee. Seven RBIs in this one, including a uh, two-run home run and a grand slam as well, too. So uh, lot, lots of explosive hitting. And then you look at uh, another one, Zykeria Cole, another one of your sophomores who is going to help lead that way. Five for five. If, I, if it's not a program record, it's got to be close to it. Four doubles and, and three RBIs. So, uh, you know, a, a player who really stepped up for you as a freshman last year, played a position she was not used to and has really carried that momentum forward. Yeah, well, you know, last year Zai played first base for us, and she was not used to playing first base. She played third, she played second, she played a little bit of shortstop coming in when we were recruiting her. Um, so we knew she could do it, and we knew losing Josie Meggs at third base was going to be hard to replace, but – Zakaria Cole's definitely a force to reckon with over there, so I'm excited to see what she's going to do. Yeah, and another thing that we were talking about right before the, right before we shot this, you know, every one of your starters got a hit in an RBI in this one, so you know that that that's a fun thing to be able to carry forward as well too. And you got a lot of a uh, lot of um, uh, output from your fresh your incoming freshmen as well too, from Olivia Baines, Kenley Ainsworth, Emery Warren, Maddie Bruner in a mm -hmm. pinch hit spot gives you a two run double. So you know, ju just Production from all over the place uh, in yes. game one. Yeah. But you also, you, and not only at the plate, but at the circle. I think you got effective outings from all three of the pitchers that you used. Uh, you only had to go to care for one inning. Uh, anytime, you know, with with her, if it, if she can only play one inning and you get the win, you, you got to feel good about That's that. That's a good day, yes, absolutely. And, you know, we know we're going to need Kara when it comes to crunch time because she's been there, done that. She's a sophomore. She knows what to expect. She knows how to handle the pressure. Um, so I told her, I said, look, I hate you only got one inning today. I was like, but we've got seven pitchers. Mm -hmm. So we want to try to use everybody that we can today and limit your use, you know. Let's save you for when we need you. Of course, Carly Rouse and Emily Richard, both uh, effective in their outings as well, too. Both of them getting a couple of innings. And anytime you can get freshmen some, some innings in an outing like that, it, it helps to build that confidence as well. Right. I mean, getting experience is key for them, for sure. So we'll, we'll look a little bit at game two as well, too. This one, 17 to nothing. Some people would go, uh, what happened in game two? Did you have a little bit of a power outage? But I think you told me you, you saw a little bit of a better arm in the circle from uh, Southeast Arkansas. Yes. You know, um, we try to explain to our girls, especially the freshmen who don't understand, you know, you're playing a doubleheader. In high school, you play a single game, and then you have 24 hours before you play, before you play again. And I told them, even though we won, just, won this game 31 to 1, you can't turn around and expect that game two is going to go exactly the same way. It could be completely different. New pitcher, all those things are factoring in. Um, but, yeah, we still had a really good uh, – how many did we score in the first inning? Do you remember? Uh, 13 in the first one of that yeah, one. Yeah, so even, even opening up that game, it was like, okay, we might score 30 again. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, in that game two, we did get up early, so that gave me opportunities to make sure we subbed some people out and – 
swapped some positions around and just looked at different options that we have. All right, you look at that one, 13 in the first, as we mentioned. Didn't score any in the second. The only inning you didn't score the whole day. Uh, one in the third, two in the fourth, one in the fifth. Um, Kenley Maldair, again, we talked about her a second ago. <laughs> Freshman led the way in this one for you at the plate, going three for three, uh, two RBIs out of her. Moak adding uh, three RBIs in this one. AG added another two-run home run in this one. Um, so, you know, again, have a day, AG. You know, anytime you uh, you get five hits, three of them are home runs, you, you've had a great day at, at the ballpark. Day, for sure. Zykeria um, Cole, two for three with two RBIs. But, again, look at the pitchers in this one. Um, you used three freshmen. You used one sophomore in uh, Laney Wagaspak, but Keegan McCorkle gets the start for you in this one, and I think she was very effective for you. Yes, yes. Um, Keegan handles the pressure really well. She doesn't get too nervous. She's loose, um, and Keegan is a spin pitcher, so she does what she does, and um, she's got a little bit of energy on the mound, and I like that. She shows her, her emotions, and she gets excited, so I love that about her. And, and I think a unique game, unique aspect of this game was I think you used four different pitchers, and you were able to give them four different looks. There's not many staffs who can say we rolled out that many and had that many different looks for a team. Right, and that's the great thing about it. Um, this year we have a little bit more depth with our pitching. I mean, we have seven pitchers, and all seven of them can be used at any time and be effective because they all look different. So uh, a big season debut for the Lady Wolves. We'll look ahead. you got a doubleheader upcoming this Saturday, um, and by way of looking at that one, we're also going to end up looking somewhat ahead at the, the home opener as well, too, because you'll play the same team for that one as you will in the second game on Saturday, but you're going to go play in the Heinz Juco Classic. You're going to play a team that uh kind of familiar with. You played them twice last year. They got the better of us the first time around, the, then in the national tournament, we got the better of them, and that being Parkland. Uh, what do you know about them heading into this one? Um, so, I looked at their roster the other day, and looks like they didn't lose a whole lot, so they're going to be kind of sophomore heavy. Um, but I told our girls on the bus last night, you know, hey, don't be satisfied with this win. Yeah, it was a great road win. Anytime you can travel four hours, get off the bus and play that way, um, that makes me feel pretty good. Um, but I did tell them, get ready, because Parkland's going to be a lot better than the team we faced yesterday. And um, they're going to bring it, especially since – they, you know, yeah. they lost to us last time we played them in the national tournament. So. Cobra's probably looking for a little bit of revenge, especially those sophomores <laughs> who, who took that loss in the in the national tournament. And then you'll later on in that day, that game will be at eleven. You'll come back later that afternoon. You'll play uh, Baton Rouge. Lady Bears don't think off to as good of a start as they were last year. Uh, but what do you know about them coming into that one? And again, that'll be your home opener as well, too. Um, I do know Baton Rouge is a scrappy team. Um, you know, they're going to have a little bit of speed, a little bit of power. They're going to have several different arms to throw at us as well. Um, so they're going to they're gonna give us a fight for sure. Um, so playing them Saturday and then turn around playing them for our home opener will be a little bit of a challenge just, for, just because we're seeing the same team three times in a row close together like that. But, again, having those different pitchers will help because I can give them different looks. This is a moment when having seven pitchers mm -hmm. is, a, is a benefit. That's, that's you look right. at that and go, that's going to be a benefit in the future. Well, the future is going to be in uh, about seven days. Correct. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you got to feel really good knowing that, you know, pitching staff-wise, it, it feels like you're good. It doesn't matter the, the day. It feels like you can roll anybody out there and feel good about them. Right, and we can compete at any moment with any of them. So that's good. You never want to have, you know, you never want to be in trouble or in a, a jam to where right. you say, Oh, who we're going to pitch. Yeah. You know, so having those options. And like I said, yesterday was good for them to get on the mound in a game setting, playing a different team because we have 
scrimmaged each other until we can't scrimmage each other anymore. <laughs> um, so this is going to be good for them. Yeah. I think talking to you and Co and, and um, Coach Bell and all the girls and everything, I think they've uh, the, the sentiment has been, we're just ready to get out there and play somebody else beside ourselves. We're ready to play. <laughs> That's right. So uh, the, the, the season is here. Lady Wolves finally underway. Take the season opener against Southeast Arkansas, 31 to one in game one, 17 to nothing in game two. Again, those two games in the Heinz Juco Classic coming up this Saturday, 11 a.m. against Parkland, and then 4 p.m. against Baton Rouge. Those are gonna be at the Sports Force Park in Vicksburg. So go on out there, support the Lady Wolves, and then they'll come back, have their home opener on the 27th. We'll talk more in detail about that one as well next week. Um, stick with us through the break. Coming up, we'll talk basketball and their results in the upcoming games after this. back in. Thanks for sticking with us and joining me now is our assistant men's basketball coach Cortez Mitchell. Coach, thanks for joining us again. Yes, sir. Nice to be here. And, and coach, obviously a, a little bit of a tough week for the guys this week. I, I think if you had to maybe put one word to it, uh, disappointing might be the word that you would want to use. You dropped two that, uh, and one of them you really feel like you kind of let it get away and the other one uh, kind of feels like you were in it for a little bit. Kept trying to fight back, but it you know never really could get back into it enough to to feel like it was as competitive as you wanted it to be. But we'll go back to the first one, the uh, the game against Northeast. You dropped this one seventy two to sixty nine, and this is the one where you you really kind of feel like you let it get away because you had them on your home court, uh, really had them down by a pretty good margin. They were able to fight back and uh, you know had a few shots there at the end that just went uh, wide or couldn't fall for us. But overall, your thoughts on that one? Uh, just even going back to game before the Jones game, uh, that's two home games in a row where we've had the team that was in uh, first place at the time on the ropes uh, at home to win. We was up, I think, nine against Northeast, and I think it was eight or nine against Jones, so like three minutes ago. Uh, we take the kids all the time. Man, it's hard to win college games. Like, uh, you got to play a complete 40 minutes, and right now that's not what we do. Uh, we have some good moments, and then we have some very bad moments. Those good teams, they can put together 40-minute games as far as following the uh, scouting report, making shots, execute when you're tired, playing defense, rebound, like uh, all those type of things. And right now that's just uh, not what we've been doing. So, uh, like we tell a guy, like, we don't deserve to win right now. Like, you don't just win because you show up. Like, if you, you got to put in the work, you got to do all the extra things to win those games. And when you don't, that's what happens. You give up leads uh, with three minutes ago of double figures, which should never happen. But when you don't deserve to win, you shouldn't win. Yeah, I think the old adage goes, you know, uh, hard work will beat talent all the when time talent, when exactly. talent doesn't want to work hard. So, and, and maybe maybe a little bit of that going on right now, you know, team supremely talented. But again, like you said, if they're not putting in the work, you know, that that's going to show itself up on the court. But you look at this one and you are up three at halftime, 37 to 34. Second half is where it really didn't go your favor. Northeast outscores us. Uh, 38 to 32, and that's what led to the three-point loss there. And you, you look at the box score, and, you know, the usual suspects are, are kind of your leading guys. Emmanuel James really led the way. He posted another double-double. E-Man did what E-Man does. 16 points, 11 boards, uh, and it was kind of a – felt like a little bit of a quiet 16 points. I didn't really – you know, really going back and looking at it, I was like, 16 points, that's a lot. But, man, you really feel like – 
seven to 14 shooting, you'd like him to be a little more efficient on the shooting end. Uh, yeah, we'd like him to be more efficient. The thing is, we need man honestly to do even more. Like uh, like me personally, the double doubles, like that doesn't do nothing for me, if, especially when you're not winning. Like if, I feel like E man, he he gets a lot of double doubles, but honestly, like he should be having double doubles with 22 and 15, 22 and 16. Right. Uh, I think a little of it is fatigue. I think we probably played him a little bit too many minutes early. Uh, so some of that's on us, but the rest of it, I think E-Man can give more effort because he, he has done, he showed he can do it. Uh, I think he got to learn to do it. And these guys are freshmen, so they haven't been in this many hard fall games for a whole year playing this many games, so they don't understand. And this is around the time when everybody's uh, hurting a little bit, everybody's tired, you got to fight through it. Like everybody's going through it. And right now I don't think we, especially – like not just email, but our guys, we're not getting through that uh, to that point. Right. I think one thing you could kind of point to and maybe say, yeah, fatigue probably played a little bit in it. You look at his free throw line numbers, probably his worst game from the line, two of seven. You, I don't, I don't think we've seen him miss five free throws, all you know, in one game, and certainly not in one game, but you know, maybe not in a span where he's missed yeah. five free throws at at the line. Um, now, one guy in this one that did have a very efficient game, I was very impressed with the way he played. Went four or five from three, five or seven from the field. That was Will Grayson. He was your second leading scorer with 14 points. And, you know, Coach and I talk a lot, Coach Sanders and I talk a lot about him. And, you know, we've talked, I, I think he's probably arguably one of your best defenders as well. So anytime you can get double digits out of him and you get a start out from a starting position, you got to feel good about that. Uh, yeah, uh, the thing about Will is Will actually can score. Like he can, he uh, but he he understands his guys in front of him that could probably score a little better or more efficient as far as uh Vaughn and E Man and uh Devin and uh Court. So uh, he kind of takes the back seat. But when he's open, like uh, that kid can make open shots. And they can like he come from a winning program. He's won before, so he understands everybody has a role. Right. And that's the thing about Will. Will accept his role, and he uh. And he loves being in his role. And so when he step up and get 14 points, like that's a plus for us. Right. One thing we know that he's gonna do is he's gonna play defense every night. Right. So we always count on him for that. I think I think one of the one of the things I love seeing about Will is his response. Anytime you ask him to do something, okay, coach, I'll do it. What you know, Will is one of those guys, really, he embodies whatever I've got to do to help the team win, I'm gonna do it. Um and those are those are the kind of guys you gotta have those kind of guys on your you team. You got to the win. So, and you also look at it, Quateria Scott had 13 points, Devin Carter 12 points, uh, not their most efficient games uh, of the season. So, you know, but still, double, you know, double digit scoring out of them, you know, you always got to rely on those two. They're kind of the, the, the gas that makes the engine run for you for, for every game. So, you, then you go ahead and we go look at the Pearl River one. This is the one where, again, it's a 20 point loss, 70, 50, 74 to 54. And, uh, it didn't really feel like it was as close as 20 points as it was. You know, I, I didn't get to watch this one as much as I wanted to. Uh, was was watching, was keeping up with the stats and those kind of things, and it felt like, you know, we, you know, you know the Pearl River got a, got a lead, was able to maintain it, and just kind of kept us at an arm's distance and was like, you know, we're, we're fine with you scoring, but you're not going to get as close as you want to get in this one. Uh, to me, the thing was, uh, is our guys are not to bring their own energy. Like, uh and it's, it's so crazy, I'm going to say this, but the Pearl River girls team watching them warm up and yelling and talking the whole time, like I could have, like they made me want to get on the court and play then. Like they brought their own energy. They understand like they didn't have a biggest crowd as the boys game, so they said we're going to bring our own energy. And like that, like I don't know if they're going to win the championship, but that's why they'll be in the hunt because they bring their own energy, I'm sure, everywhere they go. And our guys don't do that. Uh, 
And what we got to understand is whether you're on the road or at home, if the crowd's sharing or not, like, it's the people on the bench and it's your coaches. Like, that's all that matters, and them, them the people that should have the energy. You got to play for each other. And right now, we're not doing that. Uh, right now, we are, like you said earlier, we're a talented group, but we're a bunch of individuals. And right. it's hard to win with a bunch of individuals on the team. Right. And, and and that's kind of been something that we haven't seen a lot of the year. You know, it feels like, especially in the big games, and this was definitely a big one, the guys have been able to bring the energy yep. and, and supply that for themselves. And, and I think this is the first time you've kind of seen where that hasn't been the case. And uh, unfortunately, that I think that's what led to a 20-point loss for the guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I think we got in there seeing the big arena, the uh, bright lights, and they kind of, I don't want to say scared, but they was kind of uh, shocked where as far as like how I grew up, like when I said that made me want to play harder. Like as a guy that went to Pearl River, like uh, I went there, but I, it, Pearl River wasn't the nicest place to go back then when I went. And I went there trying to uh, do something different. And that's what guys got to come to Colin for. Like you got to be able to want to do something different. You got to want to win in that gym and make it look good in that gym, not because you got the best arena and all this. And our guys, I'm, something about that gym, they just got it. We was dull from the start, and we could never pick up. And that's what happened against a good team. Like they're not going to let you back in it. And, and you look at this one, it was 49 to 28 at halftime. And then you're out, you actually outscored the Wildcats 26 to 25 in the second half. But again, when you're having to overcome a 21 point yeah. deficit at halftime, you, you got to, you got, you got to match that, you know, 21 point, uh, you surplus there and, and just wasn't able to and you know there were times in this one where you know defensively it felt like you played really well you know there was a couple of moment a couple of long streaks where you had like two minute scoreless droughts where uh your our guys actually ended the scoreless drought so you're thinking all right you know we've held them at bay we've grabbed some momentum mm -hmm. but unfortunately both times that happened wildcats were able to respond with really long scoring runs themselves so that's kind of you know kind of felt like even when our guys grabbed momentum wildcats were able to really just seize it right back yeah and that's what, uh, like I said, that's what good teams do. They're not gonna let you back in the game when they got you on the ropes. Uh, my thing is, don't don't get down twenty one. Right. If you if you if we start the game with energy, if we come to play as a team and not individual, if uh, if we high fiving guys even when they miss, we keeping them confident. Like that take care of itself. Like uh, I seen those guys, like, even when they was missing, they high fiving each other. They get back, they do this, do they talking to each other? Right now, our guys can't talk to each other without someone getting mad. We can't. Take it on the chin and say, "Yeah, I messed up," and move on. Like we're kind of taking it personal right now, and and that's what calls losing. Like you gotta be able to listen to a teammate, to a coach, and understand what they're saying, not how they're saying it, and kind of get through. It. And that's our next step. Right. And you look at this one uh, again. Usual suspects. Your top three guys are, are your are three of your top scorers. Devin leads the way with 14 points. But not his most efficient night. You know, five of 16 from the field. That's the you know. For for a guy like him, you really don't want him finishing with more shots than points. Um, and unfortunately, he did, and as well as Cortez Scott. He was one of your other two leaders, 12 points there. Guys went 9 of 30 combined and only had 26 points. So I think as a as you and Coach Sanders would probably say, you'd like to see them be way more efficient than that. Uh, they definitely have to be more efficient. Uh, and that's what people got to understand. If you want to be a scorer, like this is what come with it. Like, People gonna expect you to score. You can't say that I, I want to be a scorer. I want the ball in my hands, and now you're not doing good. And now you feel like someone's putting pressure on you. Put that pressure on yourself. That come with the title. Uh, I understood that when I was playing uh, at Pearl River. Like it, it just come with. You got to take the good with the bad. We definitely need those guys to be more efficient. Uh, we really need somebody else to step up too as well, though, to kind of take the load off them. Uh, 
And Devin, Devin's a good player here. I think he got to be more uh, efficient and determine what he want to do. Like, teams are scouting him. They know he want to play with the ball, dribble, dribble, so they not let him get comfortable. He got to be better in catch-and-shoot situations. He got to be better at reading closeouts. And then, again, you look at this again, E-Man does what E-Man does, another double-double, 10 and 13. But, you know, may, maybe a guy that can help lighten that load for some of those guys, a guy who uh, paid off as you gave him a start yesterday, uh, Dakota Hilliard, 5 of 10 from the field, 50%. He flirted with a double-double. He gave you 12 points and 7 rebounds. So, again, you gave a guy a, a start, and it really paid off for you and and probably one of his best performances of the year. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we need that from Dakota for the rest of the season. Uh, Dakota can score. Um, it's a confidence thing. He got to get his confidence back. I think that started yesterday. Uh, the thing about it is if Dakota can get going now, uh, we actually like our chances. Like we, if this team can come together as a team and stop being individual, we really don't care about the seeding uh, going to regionals. Uh, we understand that we can be any team. Like I said, we had the, the two top uh, teams at the time. We was up 10 against both of them. So we understand. Uh, we just got to come together as a team and do what we need to do and worry about uh, hearing nobody else. And that's going to start with other guys stepping up outside of uh, court, outside of Vaughn, outside of E-Man, outside of Devin. Like we need two or three more guys to step up, and not just offensively, but defensively as well. And I think one thing you remember, you're talking about seeding for region tournament. You have to remember it wasn't the one seed that won it last year. That was Colin went out in the second round. I think it was – you know, the, the team that won it was a five or a six seed, yep. so they had to go on the road the whole time. And, you know, so it, it's very doable. You don't have to be one of the top four seeds to win this tournament. You don't have to be the top seed to win this yeah. tournament. You could be the 12th seed and win this tournament. That's a long shot, but hey, if you're in it, you give yourself a fighter's chance, and that's just what you want in postseason that's basketball. All we, want. Uh, we know we have the talent. Like I said, it's going to be whether these guys want to come together as a team and whether they want to uh, be able to hold each other accountable. That's what it's going to come down to. So you, you, you look ahead, you've got five games left down the stretch you got more of those at home than you do on the road so that's got to be something that you feel a little good about but you, you come up but you've got Cahoma at home on Thursday February 22nd I know you said before we started shooting the Tigers are starting to get healthy get some of their guys back but what do you know about those guys I know it's a quick turnaround something you're not used to you're not used to only having one day of rest yeah. in between usually you get a couple but what do you know about that group heading into this one uh like you said they just getting healthy they just got some guys back uh one thing I know is they have talent I know they're gonna play hard uh and honestly they, they're probably going to try to play tough and they'll try to punk us down. Like, they know we just coming off a game yesterday. They know. I mean, if you watch the film, like, the last two or three games, our guys have probably been punked down a little bit. And so they were probably coming with that mentality. Uh, they talented. They got a good point guard. Uh, he really gets the guys involved. They got a good post player, I think, that's leading the league in rebounds. Mm -hmm. uh, it's another talented team in the league. Like, you can't take nobody for granted. So we're going in this game as if we're playing the number one team in the league again. It's a game that we uh, got to win. It's a game that we should. I'm not going to say we should. It's a game that uh, if we do, we're supposed to. We should win. And, uh, we're going to come to fight because we know that they are. And then, of course, we'll look ahead. You'll go on the road on Monday, February 26th. You'll go over to play the Warriors of East Central, a team that – Feels a little similar to the Wolves right now. They've been up, they've been down, uh, a little back and forth all season. What do you know about that bunch? I know that they're good at home, and I know they got some little guards who are feisty. Uh, they want to uh, get downhill, they want to score, they like to uh, get up and guard you. And uh, we really ain't looked too much forward. I'm beyond, we really ain't looked too much forward ahead to East Central. And um, like I watched some film against Cajoma and Coaches as well, but. Uh, the rest of the season, like, I really think it's got to be what we do. Like, I don't think nobody else is uh, 
kind of beating us like it sounds cliche but we were honestly beating ourselves and so we got to take care of here and I think we'll be just fine yeah I mean you 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 go back and you look at it you've lost three out of the last four but you look at those it's a it's a two-point loss to Jones it's a three-point loss to Northeast really the worst of those three losses is Tuesday night on the road at Pearl River where you just you you just don't bring your energy and you you drop Mm. drop one you get a 20-point loss, um, you know, and, and that's that's a moment that, you know, sometimes can galvanize a team. Yep. You know, I've, I've been around college athletics. I've seen a lot of moments where, you know, a team will get get swept in, into a doubleheader that they should have split or they'll take a 20-point loss or, a, you know, a, a, a close loss, and it just galvanizes them to for them to realize, hey, we got to step it up. You yep. know, if, if we want to hit our goals and we want to do everything that we said we want to do, we got to get better. 100%. So uh, a little bit of a, a somber tone this week for the men's basketball team, dropping both of those. Again, a close loss to the Tigers of Northeast and then uh, a 20-point loss to the Wildcats of Pearl River. But plenty of chances to bounce back. Five games left. Three of those will be at home. Plenty of opportunities for you to catch the Wolves at home, starting with this Thursday as they host Kahoma. Stick with us through the break. Our final segment, we'll have head women's basketball coach Dr. Britta Stevens join us to talk about all the Lady Wolves action. Welcome back in. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. And we've entered our final segment of the week. And joining me now is our women's head basketball coach, Dr. Britta Stevens, as promised. Doc, uh, coach, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Coach, uh, obviously... Uh, you had a, a decent week, I think you would say. Uh, you know, uh, you go one and one on the week. Uh, played a really great game against Northeast. Got a really good come from behind win. And you went on the road and played the best team in the conference, ranked number ten Pearl River, and, and dropped that one. But I, I think you felt very positive in that one in your remarks and those kind of things. We'll talk about that one in a second. We'll go back to the Northeast game. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, you know, it was a good week for us, um, and we needed a good week coming off of a rebound. We didn't play very well at Delta. We came out on Thursday night, and I thought we played really, really well against a what I would consider a really good Northeast team, and they are a good team. And So we were excited to get that win at home. Obviously, it was a celebration for Coach Young. Had a lot of um, former players on campus, mm-hmm. so it was a really good night to get a win. It was just a good night all around. I thought that may have been the best all-around Uh, start-to-finish game that our team has played all season. And I thought it was, you know, the whole team, everybody that we put in, they may not have scored, but they contributed in a lot of different ways. And I thought it was just a really good team game, team win from start to finish. I I think I told a bunch of the the spectators and, you know, former Lady Wolves and stuff, you know, as they were standing by the table and and talking, I said, it's a shame we didn't pick, we didn't (laughs) give you all a good game to come watch for this one. But uh, you you, you look at the box score and the first quarter says it was 19 to 18 for Northwest, uh, Northeast, excuse me, and it was, but that's a little bit deceptive because they made a three right there at the end of the buzzer. You didn't get a chance to, to respond. So they have a 19-18 to 18 lead, uh, and then they carry that forward. They outscore you 16-15 to 15 in the second quarter. You're trailing by three at halftime, but it, it still feels like you're right in there. You know, you're, you're – they're punching and you're matching their punches. Yeah, I was really pleased with the first half, you know, and we went up at halftime and we were happy with our rebound numbers, happy with what we were doing. We had done an excellent job on defense. You know, they had one kid who made a couple shots. I think she made two threes, and at halftime we made some adjustments and we came out after the half, and I don't think they made another three the entire night, which is something that they didn't do great, but they had one or two that could shoot threes, so I thought we did a really good job of that. Um, you know, they were a little bit more physical than we were, and they caused us some matchup problems because their best player was opposed 
post, but she was more like a guard. So we had to do some creative things there. Again, that's where a kid like Sequoia Bolding comes in because we can ask her to go in and guard at that four position. And she does a really good job of that. Um, coming out, obviously, after halftime, we told them those first three minutes in the third quarter were going to be critical. And then in the third quarter, that's where I kind of got nervous because they started pressing us and they sped us up. We turned it over a lot. I think at one point in the third, they had a 10-point lead and I got really concerned. We called timeout. We caught our breath. We slowed down and we just continued to fight and find ways to get baskets. Late in the game, we went zone and I think that made a huge difference because we had not played a lot of zone throughout the game and I thought that made a really big difference, especially the last two or three minutes of the game. And, and you, you alluded to it right there. Third quarter, it did get a little shaky. They outscored you 20-16 to 16 and, and you're going into that fourth quarter you're thinking, it, it, it's still within reach. We got to play a really good quarter and uh, might be the best quarter you've played all season. Yeah. You outscored them twenty-three to twelve, and uh, and just really, I felt you felt like we really dominated the the Lady Tigers throughout pretty much the really the last three or four minutes of the game. And one thing that really stuck out to me, you look at it down the stretch, the last minute and a half of the game. You go to the line 10 times between uh, Pumpkin and Cookie, and I think they were 8 of 10 or 9 of 10 from the line. So, you know, you closed it out very efficiently as well, too. Yeah, and that's something you and I have talked about a lot this season is we haven't done a great job of closing games, and I thought we did a really, really good job of closing this game out. We didn't turn it over late. We got defensive stops late. You know, Alex Washington, I remember one time with like a minute left, she gets a huge defensive rebound, mm -hmm. and we turn it over, and, and I can see it on her face. She's going, Coach, that was, that was my mistake. And that was a freshman mistake, and we can live with those, but they did a much better job of closing it out. You know, I thought one thing that really helped us in this game, I'm not big on complaining to the officials. I don't I don't always feel like the officials are great, but I felt like their coach had a lot of a lot to say to the officials all night and we had a couple of kids get frustrated with some calls and coach Holt and I tried to manage it every time we'd see frustration on somebody's face, we'd take them out. You know, Kayla Howard got frustrated one time, we took her out. Cookie Wilkinson got frustrated, we took her out and we put them right back in, but they just needed to catch their breath and I didn't think Northeast did a very good job of that. They had some kids that got frustrated. They had one kid who got a technical mm -hmm. and we were able to shoot four free throws back to back to back. Uh, Ashanti Fleming Pumpkin goes four three for four mm -hmm. and it kind of puts us over the hump and gives us a lead so I thought that was a critical turning point in the game that was with about a minute and a half left in the game and I thought that was a critical critical mistake on their part and we were able to capitalize on that and very thankful for that yeah that 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 really felt like the turning point because that was what started the the 10 straight free throws down the end but even if you you take away those those four you know you you go six for six at the end right. or five for six so you know still just a really good performance from the line for your girls when you needed it the most you, you look at the box score and uh it's those two players again you got angel wilkinson cookie with leading all scores i believe if we're looking at it, yeah, all scores with 29 her career high for her her best game by far since she's uh joined the lady wolves yeah i thought this was a breakout night for her and we know you know coach holt and, and myself and people who are familiar with the area and brookhaven basketball we know that cookie wilkinson is a really talented player and so we were waiting on her to have that breakout night and she finally did and that's something you know you and I have talked about uh, Tom Getz the newspaper writer and I have talked about she's still having to get adjusted to college basketball and everybody else has had 10 or 12 more games than she has so she's finally figuring it out and, and you can see it in her eyes now she knows hey this is a good shot this is the shot coach wants me to take this is probably not the best shot or look let me look at my teammate and maybe get it back and I thought she did a really good job of that I also thought she she almost had a double double she had what nine eight or nine steals um, she's a sneaky defender. She finds ways to get steals, and she's one of ours that I know that I can count on every time the shot goes up. I know she's going to rebound, so I know I'm getting that out of her every night. So I'm really happy for her, really glad that she had this breakout night, and we expect this from her every night. You know, those two, Pumpkin and Cookie, we expect big 
nights for them again. I thought she Pumpkin had a good night too. Sometimes I look up and I don't even realize she scored. And then I look at the box score and I'm like, she scored 17 because she is all about doing what's best for us and what's best for us to win. I thought she did a good job defensively as well. We've called her number several times lately to be our big defensive stopper. And that's not exactly what she is, but she's stepped up to that moment and, and assumed that role and done a good job. All right, and, and Ashanti Fleming, Pumpkin, and 17 points for you. I think one thing that stands out about Cookie's game is, is she had seven rebounds. I think the eight steals were against Delta. She almost had a double-double in that one. Um, but what stands out about the seven rebounds the most, I think, is you look at it, four offensive rebounds, and that right. led the team. You know, um, that you, you don't see a guard lead a team in offensive rebounds very often, but, you know, it just shows the kind of complete player mm -hmm. she has the capability to be at this level. Yeah, she is a very dynamic player. She can do a lot of things. She can shoot it. She can put it on the floor. She can guard. She can rebound. You know, she, she is a dynamic player, and rebounding is something that we have preached to our whole team the entire year, rebound, rebound, because people don't box out. We don't do a great job of it, and we work on it every day, but if you'll go offensive rebound, it makes it that much harder, and they're not going to do it every single time, and especially when people are playing zone. It's so difficult to do. So she has really embraced that role and she does that. And she gets a lot of rebound putbacks off of that. Um, something else in this game that I thought was key late in the game when we went zone at freshman Alex Washington came in, played the middle of our zone, did a great job of just being steady, not fouling, getting rebounds you know, being a big presence in the middle of our zone, I thought that was huge. Sequoia Bolden, again, she came in at the four defensively and got huge stops. Those two gave us huge minutes the last three minutes of the game, and we did. We were playing some offense for defense. We were trying to put Sierra Myers in there because – you know, Sequoia Bolden does a little bit better job on defense than C does, so we did some offense for defense, and I thought everybody just embraced their role. Nobody was in their feelings because, you know, well, Coach took me out after one possession. Everybody did what we needed to do to win as a team, and I think that's critical for us moving forward. And we've been a team that has been good about embracing that, but it was really good to see that moment for us right. last I, Thursday. I think one thing that really sticks out about Q's game is you look at the stat line, not a lot of points. Uh, about five, four or five rebounds, but the, the number that really stuck out to me was two. She had two blocks, and they were huge five, blocks. You, you have a five-seven player who goes out there and blocks a, a six-foot post player on a layup, and you're just going, you know, wow, what what heart, what determination. Again, we talked about her all year. It feels like she's just, whatever you ask her to do, she's going to go do yeah. it. And, and, and really does it at an excellent pace. She does, and that, that's something you can, you know, her heart and her determination, she just plays so hard. And I ask her to do, we ask her to do so many different things, and sometimes we jerk her in and out, and she never, she always embraces it, whatever we ask her to do. And so I think that's, you know, young players need to see that. They need to know that sometimes that's the role I'm being asked to assume, and she does it so well. I have never had to ask her. I've never had to coach her to do that. She goes in and does whatever we, we need her to do, and that is such an asset to our team. So you – you fast forward to uh, the Pearl River game. You know, I, I know we talked about this one. You, you, you know, you knew it was an uphill battle playing the best team in the conference, number ten in the nation. And uh, you know, again, the, despite the the score saying you lost by thirty four, you know, it felt overly positive from you talking to you after the game. Uh, your thought, your thoughts on this one? Yeah. Well, first of all, Pearl River's really good team, um, <laughs> and we have some really good teams in our league. I'm not saying that. I, you know, I think Gulf Coast is a good team. I think Southwest is a good team. Itawamba is a good team. None of them are even close to what Pearl River is. Uh, Pearl River is a really, really good team. They have really good pieces. They've got dynamic shooters. They've got posts. They've got everything. Um, was I disappointed in our play? No. After the game, I was very pleased with how hard we played. Were there a lot of things we could have done better? Absolutely. And there are after every game, win or loss. I thought we turned the ball over way too much. I thought early in the game, early in the game, the first three or four minutes, we guarded incredibly well. I mean, like you said, it was a four to two game early in the game. Then they started pressing us. We turned it over, and our turnovers led to easy transfers 
transition baskets for them. They, the kid who had not scored a lot for them scored 19 because she got easy transition baskets. So that really hurt us, and we dug a hole, and it was hard to get out of that hole. I, forever we were on 29 points. We couldn't score. We couldn't score. And so when you turn it over and give them easy transition baskets and then you can't score on the flip, it makes it very difficult to win the game. Um, you know, overall, I thought we defensively, I thought we played pretty well other than in transition when we let those people go. Offensively, I thought we ran our stuff reasonably well. I thought we did a pretty good job on the boards. Um, you know, just some critical, we made some critical turnovers at some critical moments that really hurt us. And and then you look at this one, and, and I think there are, you know, a couple of things that if you look at the play-by-play, -play, they'll kind of stand out to you again. Early in the game, like we said, it was it was 3-2, to two and, and then it got to be 14-4, to four, and so you, you, you kind of blinked, and it was, oh, man, we turned the ball over. We, we've done some things that we don't like to do. And, and you finish the first quarter, it's 21-6, to six, and it really the first quarter feels like it's what made the biggest difference because mm -hmm. the rest of them, we, you know, you get outscored 20 to 12, 17 to 11, 17 to 12. Those, you know, those those are margins that you know don't feel as bad as as a 15 point margin, but. I think if you if you look near the end of the the first half in the in the second quarter near the end of it there was a run there y'all mm -hmm. made you, uh, eight to two eight to four something like that so you know there there were sparks and little moments I think you you look at those and you go. We, we can use those and we can grow from those. Yeah, there were. There were very encouraging moments. There were frustrating moments, you know, especially when we turned the ball over against their press, something that we had worked on a tremendous amount the past two days. And when we got the ball and we got in our press break and we got the ball to the middle of the floor and we fanned it out like we were supposed to, we scored or we at least got a good shot. But when we turned it over, we gave them a good shot. So there were spurts of frustration, but there were spurts of good things too. And you could see, you know, defensively we were doing something well, or we ran what we were supposed to run or we got the ball inside or we did something that we were supposed to do. The last two or three minutes of the second quarter, we really made a run. I mean, we put them on the ropes. They had to call timeout because we were just driving, driving. And it was because we got defensive stops or we got defensive rebounds and we were able to push the ball in transition on them. So a lot of things to work with. Um, you know, obviously what I like to have a shot at them again on a neutral floor, yeah, I would. I felt like, again, I'm not one to complain about the officials a whole, whole lot, but I felt like it was stacked in their favor, and I feel like it's always that way at Pearl River. I've been in this league for 15 years, and every time you go to Pearl River, Coach Fletcher gets to make the calls. He's the official. They call whatever he wants to call, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. And I got really frustrated last night. You'll be proud of me. I had a lot of restraint and didn't get a technical because I told Coach Holt, I said, it's fixing to happen. I said, I'm fixing to get them, and I didn't. I, I held myself back, but every time they fail, they called a charge. We committed some charges. I'm not saying that. But every time they fall, it's not a charge. And I felt like the officials did a really poor job of that, especially early in the game. They kind of backed off a little bit, but I felt like they did a poor job of that in awarding them calls that they didn't deserve. And I know they're in the number 10 team in the country, but that doesn't get them calls. The calls should be the same for both teams, right. whether one's really good and one's down in the league or both teams are, you know, even. And so I was disappointed in that. I think I think one thing I've learned through all the years and, and just being around sports is, is coaches don't mind foul calls. You just want it called both ways. Correct. You know, and you want it to feel even. You don't want it to feel kind of out of balance, kind of in a similar situation to where the men's game was a couple weeks against Jones. You know, it, it was very out of balance, and it very felt very not, you know, not not balanced there. So, um, you know, you, you look at the box score, uh, your two leading scores were, were Cookie and Punkin again. Not the not the amounts they had the right. game before, just seven and six out of them. But uh, but uh, efficient nights, I think you could say. Cookie not as much as Pumpkin. You know, three of ten from Cookie, three of five for Pumpkin. But you know, obviously, again, things that they can grow on. You know, we we've seen both of them. They're they're very capable of being. Mm -hmm. 
scores and scoring at a high click and a high pace and, and being able to carry the load for the team. Yeah, I thought one thing looking at the box scores, and I, I haven't looked at it a whole, whole lot, uh, because it is a short week. We play Pearl River on a Tuesday and we have to turn around and play Kahoma now. So as soon as the game was over with last night, it was flip the page and let's right. try to beat Kahoma at home. But one thing when I did look at it, when no one on your team scores in double figures, it's very hard to win the game. And we didn't have a single player in double figures. We only scored 41 points. It's very hard to win when you only score 41 points. And tip our hats to Pearl River. Obviously, they did a good job on on defense holding us to 41 points. Uh, that's a good team. Uh, but, you know, when we don't score well and we got out-rebounded pretty badly, that makes it very difficult to win games. You know, I can remember four and five possessions where they would just get two and three offensive rebounds and then they would get the ball out of bounds under. And it just – we were battling. We just could never grab the ball and couldn't, couldn't grab that offensive rebound so that does make it hard to win and those are things that we know that we have to work on I mean like I said rebounding has been kind of our Achilles heel all year when we've done it well we've been really good and we've won when we've done it poorly like we did last night it really hurts us so you talk about flipping the page we'll go ahead and flip the page with you look forward look forward to the the next couple you got coming up you mentioned it you you host the Lady Tigers on Thursday uh, a team that I think maybe has surprised some people with how well they've done under a first-year head coach, uh, six and three in, in the confidence, those kind of things. But uh, what do you know about the Lady Tigers going into this one? I know it's been a quick turnaround, and I know you haven't had a lot of time to look at them, not something you're used to having, but what do you know about them? Yeah, it has been a quick turnaround, but we knew it was a quick turnaround week, so Coach Holt and I went ahead and prepared. You know, I cut film on Pearl River. She went ahead and started looking ahead and cutting film on Kahama. So this morning when we came in the office, we already had cuts. We had already started talking about them. Uh, this morning we watched the game from last night, Kahoma and Southwest, because it was the most recent game. So so we already had a decent feel of them. We got a little bit better feel this morning. Um, they're a blue-collar team. They're a very, very unselfish, very hardworking, very much like us team. They don't have one person who scores a lot of points. They share the load. I think they're a mature team, and they're, they're a lot of freshmen. They've got a lot of freshmen on their roster, but I think they play very mature. Uh, I don't know their coach. I've never met her, but I, I respect her. I have watched enough of her games to think that she does a really good job. She's running really good stuff, and I think she's doing a lot with what she has. Um, so I think it'll be a tough matchup for us. I think it's an evenly matched game. I think we've got a lot of the same pieces, a lot of similar pieces. They've got one kid that shoots it really well. Well, they've got one kid from the Jackson area who can really put it on the floor and has a really nice pull-up. So they've got their guard play is much stronger than their post play, which should give us an advantage because our post, Sierra Myers, Jamia Smith, Alex Washington, those kids do a good job of scoring on the inside. And so we should have an advantage inside. And that's something I would think that we're going to look to do early is try to get the ball and pound it inside and go inside. Rebounding is going to be critical for us because we are going to be the bigger team. And that's not always the case for the Lady Wolves. A lot of nights we go in and we're way smaller than everybody else. So that should be somewhere we can take advantage of them as well. So and you look forward to go on the road on Monday. You'll go to Decatur. You play the Lady Warriors out of East Central, a team that, you know, I, th I think if you look at them, they've been a little up, a little down, a lot like the Lady Wolves, you know. Uh, but then they have one one player in Miriam Prince who – she scores a ton of their points. Like, you know, you and I talk every week, and I'm like, man, this girl, she just she shoots lights out. It feels like, you know, every time you look up, she's she scored 20, she scored 25. You know, she's she's averaging, I think, about 20 points a game. Uh, but what do you know about the Lady Warriors going into that one? I don't know a whole lot. Uh, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. I don't look ahead very much. You know, we try to take one at a time. Uh, I do know the Prince kid is a really nice player. I recruited her out of high school. I know she can shoot it. I know she's had some injuries, and she's playing a lot better now that she's off those injuries. She signed with ULM, so obviously she is a, a nice player um 
I, I haven't looked at their stats. I know the last time I looked or the last time I watched some film on them, they only had like seven or eight players mm-hmm. on their roster. I think they've had some injuries and maybe lost some people. So that should be somewhere that we can take advantage. Obviously, they don't have a lot of fouls to give and stuff. Again, I don't know a whole lot about them. I know Coach Harris is a really good coach. I know she runs really good stuff. Um, I feel like they're going to play us man, and that usually plays well for us. We don't, we're not a great zone offense team. You know, we have stuff, but we'd rather people pick us up and play man so we can run our stuff. And so I think that'll work in our favor against East Central. You know, Kahoma, looking back at them, they play some zone, they play some man. So we've got some different things up our sleeve for them. But, you know, let's try to win the one at home on Thursday night. If we can win the one at home, we're still in the hunt. We're still in a chance to get in the top 12 and get in that region tournament. And that's all we want to do. We want to get our foot in the door and get in the tournament and then try to work our way up. Um, So just let's try to win the one at home. And then I'll look ahead to East Central Friday. And then, uh, Coach, obviously you look at it, you got five regular season games games left you got three of those at home and you know you talk about how winning how important winning the home wins is and you know you look at it, if you win all three of those even if you lose the two on the road you're going to finish above 500 for the year and I think anybody says first year head coach finishes 500 that's a win in anybody's book all day long yeah you know and, and I'm this team I didn't recruit a lot of these players a lot of them were already signed up when I got the job and they have embraced and done everything I've asked them to do if you would have told me in August, we were going to run win 12 or 15 games. I would have said, sign me up. <laughs> I'm in. I appreciate it because in, we were we just had so much to learn and so much to grow. And it's amazing how far we've come from October to now and even from December to now. And and every day going into practice, you know, you would think, because we haven't had a great conference season. We've struggled. We've lost some games that we should have won. You would think going into practice every day, it's frustrating and it's just like pulling teeth to get them to practice. And they're just, oh, we're not very good. That's not the way our practices are. Our practices are good every day they come in with a great attitude they work really hard and so I think if we can find a way to win the Kahoma game and win the Heinz game at home and just get our foot in the door in the playoffs I think we're still growing and I think we're still learning and I think we're going to continue to peak you know the the road games are going to be tough going to East Central is going to be tough that kid shoots it really well and she's going to be shooting it in her own gym Mm -hmm. you know that's just the way it is going to Itawamba it's a five-hour drive and it's going to be a heck of a trip and you know we're going to try to break it up we've talked to the men we're going to stop and eat and try to you know make it the best day we can for our kids but the road games are tough no matter how good the team right. is or not. Even if Pearl River had not been number 10 in the country, if they had been you know, in the bottom of the conference, that's still a hard game to go and win. So the home games are so important because we've got our crowd. It's our goals. It's it's our fans. It's everything about it is our own environment. We get to dress in our own locker room. So that's why those are so important. And if we, I think if we can get to six, we've got a shot to get in. I think if we can get to seven wins, we're definitely in. That's just the way I figure it. I, I don't know. And sometimes the tiebreakers get crazy. <laughs> sometimes the, the state breaks ties different ways. But like you said, if we can find the way to win the three home games, I think we've got a really good shot to get in. Man, I, I think I think anybody, you know, you talk to anybody, you would say this season, it hadn't always been pretty. It hadn't always – it's been far from perfect. <laughs> but the amount of growth that you've seen out of – and not just the freshmen, out of your sophomores too. Mm-hmm. You know, you I think a lot of people forget, you know, you, you inherited some, fre- who's some sophomores, but – Really, only two of them had starters yeah. minutes and, and played a lot of games last year. So just the growth that you that I think a lot of people have seen out of this team has been really fun to watch all year. So uh, it's been a really fun season. We've still got a lot more to go, a couple more weeks left in the regular season, and then hopefully we get some postseason play out of the Lady Wolves as well this year. So that'll wrap up this week's edition of the Coaches Show. Again, don't forget you can catch uh, the Lady Wolves and Wolves at home against Kahoma on Thursday, February, February 22nd, and then the Wolves baseball team will be at home against Delgado on February 23rd, 2 o'clock first pitch there at Sullivan Field. I'm Kevin Kaiser, Sports Information Coordinator here at Colin. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.